Blog Talk Radio. I was eating junk. I had just had two children back to back. I used to not be able to get on the ground. I never, ever daily exercise. Before, if I'd get down, I'd need a chair or something to help me get back up. I was 84 pounds heavier at one time. I was always a big dude, but I couldn't move around. That all changed when they met. Diamond Dallas Page. Started doing yoga, man. I started doing a, a thing called DDP Yoga. It's Nacho Mama's Yoga. WCW heavyweight champion, known for his signature move, the Diamond Cutter. Diamond Cutter! Took what he learned recovering from an injury and years in the ring and created DDP Yoga. Working out combined with the eating habits, it was a huge difference. I felt so much better. It's a lot of fun for me because I never used to be able to be active. Now I'm, I'm, I'm on the floor, I'm rolling around, it's, it's pretty cool. More than importantly, I just want to be alive. I'm down about 110 pounds. DDP yoga can work for anyone. DDP. DDP. Radio. Well, well, well. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another edition of DDP Radio Live right here at ddpradio.com. As always, my name is Mike Mullins. I am live broadcasting from the recently CDC cleared DDP Radio Megaplex in beautiful <laughs> Raleigh, North Carolina. We took the, the ET-style tarps off this place. We took all the, the hazmat suits off, and I am back and better than it. Well, I'm back. Let's just put it this way. And you know what we do to fire things off here. I run through those front doors of the DDP radio. And I got to take a minute because I'm still pretty winded from the COVID. So I'm going to huff and puff for a second. And then I'm going to climb stair by stair. And I'm going to say, screw this. Crystal, get your ass over here and piggyback me to the top because I got COVID. <laughs> and we get to the top. And since Crystal showed up to kindly escort me off the stairs, we are already in place for the mega powers to shake hands, the lightning bolts to go straight into the sky, which blasts DDP radio into all corners of the universe, which means we're back, baby. DDP Radio Live. Crystal, how are you? (laughs) I'm so glad to hear your voice. Oh, my goodness. It's so good to be back. Oh, thank you so much. It, it is it is good to be back, and, and I appreciate you for everything while I was out sick. You were so great about rescheduling and checking up on me and dealing with the, the nuts and bolts of this show so that I could uh, lay in bed and whine and cry and sniffle and cough. So I appreciate you very much. Well, it's no problem because I know um, – I can't do this without you, so you're really important. And when, you know, it comes to pass that you need help or you're taking time off because you never take time off, um, yeah, it's right. Stuff just had to get done. So (laughs) I threw everything out at the Megaplex. I threw everything out. So if your office is a mess, I didn't do it. And if you can't find anything, I probably did that. <laughs> Just oh, so you well, know. Wonderful. I, I will keep that in mind. And, and you said something key there. You said that you can't do this without me, which is only because I have the password to get in the show and I don't tell anyone the password. Job security. See, that's what. <laughs> True. 
rude, folks. <laughs> I see you hacking. I see you've hired people to try to get access so you can finally throw me out of here. But I, so far, I've, I've, I've added an extra at symbol or like a, an extra like a pound <laughs> symbol to my password every time to throw you off the game. So <laughs> uh, we're taking well, notes. <laughs> well, we are uh, we are back, and we appreciate you guys hanging with me. I'm going to be honest, had a rough couple of weeks. Me and, and my wife, Katie, got uh, the COVID, and um, I was telling Crystal off the air, it was uh, it was one of those things where, you know, it's been going around for a while, and you hear that the symptoms are less less severe, and, you know, they're not as bad now as now that, you know, it's gone around so many times. And I, I was honestly shocked how much it put me on my ass for a couple of weeks, still dealing with a lot of the fatigue and, and uh, I'm not a fatigueful person. I am very energetic to the point where people want to shoot a tranquilizer dart at me at times. Um, so I'm just <laughs> not used to that <laughs> level of just feeling, feeling on your ass, but we have turned a corner. Um, last week I was feeling better, but my voice was just shot. I had, I was making squeaky sounds. So I'm feeling good. I, I might get a little fatigued toward the end of this. My voice might get a little squeaky. So just, Bear with me. It's it's like when Peter Brady, you know, on on uh, went through puberty or Greg or whatever it was, one of the Brady boys and cracking all the time. So you guys can just laugh at me when, I, when my voice starts to squeak. But um, <laughs> I appreciate all the well wishes and everyone, you know, calling and and hitting me up, uh, feeling good, feeling better, and I'm excited to get into the show tonight because I think we have our first guest on the hold here. And Crystal, since you always are, are yes. so amazing, going deep into the trenches of the DDPY family, uh, pulling people out, pulling out success stories, uh, notable people, people who are owning it, people who have been owning it, coming back around, giving us updates, all that fun stuff. So I'm going to hand this over to you so you can introduce our guest for tonight's episode, the Warrior of the Week. Crystal, the floor is yes. yours. Thank you. Um, so this week's Warrior of the Week, um, I have to be very honest. I, I have names that are just jumbling through my brain because the last couple of weeks have been kind of chaotic. But this week um, is Brian White Show. So I'm super excited. When Brian's name came across my desk, it was one of those things when you start looking into I mean, there's not there's not enough time for me to to dig into everything that he has his foot in. He is so busy all the time, or it seems like he's busy all the time. Um, he's a level one instructor. He's a fellow Canadian, and I'm gonna let you um, let him fill you in on everything else because there's so much, but. I've done my homework, and we're in for another great show. So please welcome my new friend, Brian White. Hey, guys. How are you both Hi, doing? Hi, Brian. Good. Hey, how man. How are you doing? Excellent, excellent. A lot better than you, it sounds like, although I'm glad to hear you're on the <laughs> up and up. So uh, welcome back to the uh, the upright side of the world. And I hope <laughs> right. the, uh, I hope now that the fog is cleared. You're seeing a, a much more beautiful space than you, you saw just a couple of weeks ago. So welcome back to the oh. to the living. I, I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Uh, glad to have you on, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And, and, and Crystal went over, you know, a few of the, uh, you know, the level one instructor stuff. You're obviously keeping pretty busy in the GDPY community, enough so that people are, 
are hitting you up and saying, hey, this guy needs to be on the show or needs to be here again. So without any further ado, um, we always start every show with the origin story. What makes a warrior a superhero? The origin story. So uh, you want to fill in uh, everyone who's listening on, on what made you initially take that jump to DDPY uh, program and uh, how you got to where you are right now. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I'll definitely try to abbreviate it. Uh, <laughs> we've got, um, you know, I, I, I grew up with chronic pain. I think that's, uh, that's the first and most important part. Uh, when I was 18 years old, there was definitely something wrong with my lower back, and I started to live with pain pretty much every day since that day forward. Uh, I was a cook in my early days. I think I started in kitchens around age 14 and 15, so I wore out my discs and my uh, neck fairly early on in life. Um, add to that, I was a I was a blackout drinker. Uh, basically, grew up in uh, uh, you know pretty difficult circumstances. Saw a lot of trauma when I, traumatic things when I was a kid, and and so by the time I was you know of legal age, I think I'd almost I was almost ready to retire from from that uh, career. But uh, unfortunately, I lived uh, you know while basically trying to excel at life i was also self-destructing for for many many years so uh i'm a i'm a i'm a filmmaker by trade i guess um and uh i was trying to you know become famous and tell really important stories i i leaned into documentary and was traveling around and had all these great opportunities that were presented to me and and i just couldn't fulfill any of them and uh and so that started to take its toll on me, uh, and I had a family, so suddenly I had, you know, to consider my children. Obviously, the toll that my alcoholism was taking on my wife was nothing to, uh, nothing too light, uh, that's for sure. Um, and I mean, I blacked out and did really dangerous things. I, I jumped off balconies, I crashed cars, I woke up you know, out of blackouts with somebody pointing a gun at my head. Like it was, it was some pretty scary stuff. Uh, and trauma just layers on top of trauma at that point. So it was a pretty deep hole that I dug myself into emotionally and mentally. And by the time I was 34, I was planning my grand escape. I wasn't going to put my kids through stuff that I went through when I was a kid. So I was pretty sure that uh, I would have to take care of, take care of my own self. I, I say that that's my, my uh, that was my daddy instincts kicking in and, and ready to protect my kids from any uh, enemy and that included myself. Um, but thankfully, somebody reached out and uh, I took the hand and uh, that was the day that I put down the drink and I haven't had a drink in in twelve and a half years. So I'm I'm truly grateful for that. Yeah, thank you. And and that to me is an important part of my story because um, that was what first changed my way of thinking into believing um, that I deserved better than what I was doing. Um, I had to forgive myself first and I had to uh, repair a lot of relationships. And I also had to forgive an awful lot of other people, you know, that had uh, contributed to that state. Um, And once I was free from all of that, I suddenly had, you know, headspace and, I was able to have dreams again, and I was able to, you know, look forward and, and start to see the world in a much different way. And uh, thankfully, you know, 12-step program allowed me to be very positive and grateful 
for, for small things. And uh, it, it, my goalposts in life changed very quickly. And it got to the point where every time I achieved a small goal, I was then willing to move on to the next. And so that was kind of a life-changing um, time of my uh, time for me. It, it, it helped me develop and mature and, and become uh, a lot more motivated uh, because I no longer saw the world as, as defeating me or as against me. Uh, and it allowed me to start to, you know, grow into my own skin, which, which you know, I know a lot of people in DDPY, you know, start with weight loss or, or other things uh, and experience similar things. Uh, I'm grateful that I was able to go through a lot of that earlier on uh, because I'm not sure that I would have had the mental space uh, and ability to, to commit uh, it, if I'd been introduced to DDPY earlier uh, in my journey. But, um, you know, fast forward, I was still living with pain, right? And, uh, and I was still not accomplishing all the things in my life that I wanted to because I'd have to curl up and take a nap in the middle of the day because I was tired from, from being in pain all the time. Um, I was gaining weight, uh, and, you know, I was a chubby kid, so I always see myself as overweight anyways in my brain, and if you see my pictures, I, I know I hear from a lot of people that don't see that, uh, but I still see it. I, I still see it, like, to this day when I look at my own pictures, I'm never happy, so I, I try not to make it about that stuff, to be honest with you. I try to make it about how I feel, um, so even when somebody says, uh, hey, man, you look great, I say, oh, I feel amazing, thanks. Uh, you know, thanks for the compliment, but I, I feel great. Um, but DDPY came into my life, uh, both, well, realistically, I bought the DVDs probably about eight years ago, <laughs> and I just sat on the shelf, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. which I think is a common story. <laughs> yep. And uh, I watched them. Like, I, I watched them once and went, oh, those are great moves. <laughs> and I love Dallas. We, so we get that lifelong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I we mean, do. And, and for me, it just—I guess it just wasn't the right time. Like I meant to, and I wanted to. Um, and, and literally for years, I would stare at these discs and say, "Well, someday." I mean, I bought yoga mats and everything, and I was prepared mentally, um, but something else was getting in the way, and and whatever that was, I, I can't describe. I don't know, but you know, fast forward, I'm um, I'm uh, I'm an elected. Uh, member of council here in my hometown, Sarnia, Ontario, Canada. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a city councillor. I'm just finishing up my second term. Um, oh, that, thank you. And, and I, you know, that, that's a thing that I never would have imagined doing either, but as somebody who is in recovery, I needed to be an advocate, and I didn't want to be a quote-unquote politician. I just wanted to have a platform to make change and to help make my community better for other people. It's part of my second chance at life, right? It's, there's a reason I got another opportunity and another ticket this, this life, and it's, uh, you know, it sounds cliche to say it, but I live it every day. It's, it's entirely to give back. If I was, you know, guided by money, I sure as heck wouldn't be doing this gig. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it led me into some interesting places, including the wrestling ring, which... Going, going back to my filmmaking days and all those opportunities that I was never able to fulfill, here was probably 
maybe the earliest dream I ever had in my life, maybe the second earliest dream next to having a, a quote-unquote normal family. Um, and that was to be a professional wrestler. You know, I used to dream about that delivering papers as a six-year-old and all the matches I had in my head when I was six. Here I am as, as a, at the time a 42-year-old stepping into the ring first as just a spot in a local show because I was a politician and it helped sell some tickets and I was thrilled to be a part of the show to the next show and then the next show until eventually they said, do you want to do a tag team match? Well, then I had to get serious about training. And that was, again, life-changing because I had all these injuries, right? Um, And I didn't want to die. (laughs) So (laughs) most importantly, I didn't want to make the business look bad by being one of those goofy celebrities in the ring who didn't know how to do stuff. So I started training uh, out of town and driving with my son. uh, And we made that a priority because we were now spending time. I should also add that during... My sober years up until now, I also have a child who's now 18, but has uh, a number of disabilities, a a long long list of diagnoses. And during that time, there's been a lot of trauma as well of a family, including multiple suicide attempts, um, which as a parent uh, is, is obviously, I don't think I need to describe it, absolutely horrifying to have to live through that and worry about that every day. Yeah, and I can't even imagine. Yeah, and I feel like I'm just glossing over all this stuff, but like Crystal said, there's a there's a ton here. But the origin story for me is so complex and and filled with I would think um, just this inability to give up, and I don't even know what drives me for that. I just I just wake up every day and say somebody's got to do it, so I have to. Right, it has to be me. So I continue okay. to look for ways to. Sorry. Oh no! I, I was just—I was just saying. I—I I, I understand this format is—it's—it's it's so complex and hard to get to where you've been and stuff, and to have like that—that that story. Just, I. But I understand that you know you—you've had a you know a, a pretty incredible life, and and not, that's not always oh. good, but incredible. And I'm—I'm I'm listening to you talk, and I, I love fear and loathing on Las Vegas. I'm not sure I'd like to live it, but a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, you know darkness has brought you into a place and to hear where you're at now, just, just from the, the, the little bit you've told me is, is incredible. And I can see why, why you were elected because you have a great way of uh, telling your story. You have a great way of speaking and also connecting with people. And uh, that's kind of what we do here is share stories. And, and I don't know anything clinical about anything, but I hear a lot of people's stories and I, I recognize so much of you that I hear in so many other people and to hear you kind of put it that way and then use that in, and, and just accomplish so much the, the, the position and to follow your dream in wrestling at 42, no less, uh, with you, it's pretty impressive. It's, it's, it's not an ordinary story. It's an incredible story. Well, well th- thank you. And I, I feel like there's a purpose for it, right? I, I, my family and I are very open about the stuff that we've gone through, and, and me having the platform has allowed me to – connect with families, connect with people, obviously, in my home community, but also connect with other members of government at different levels. Uh, and again, to try and shrug off the, the image of being, quote-unquote, just a politician, I lay it all out there so that when they look me in the eye, they know I'm there and I mean business. When I want change, I expect it because I know the people whose lives are on the line. 
uh, I consider friends and family and, you know, beyond, right? So I approach everything I do with that level of passion and, and opportunity. Uh, it's, it's I, I, again, it's, it's a thing that's beyond me to explain uh, because there are many days where I'm really, really, really tired. And, you know, sometimes I just take time to rest, right? But obviously at some point I had to prioritize myself. I, I couldn't. I couldn't live with that kind of physical pain and obviously the emotional and, and mental pain that my family was going through on a regular basis um, was overwhelming too. And, and there, you know, this is, this is where we get to DDPY because, yes, I wanted to live out my dream and, yes, it was important to me to have this time alone with my son because as a young child he experienced so much of what we went through. Um, you know, I don't want to say because of his own older sibling, but because it's it's not their fault but as a as a young kid you're still experiencing that trauma and so for my son and I to hit the road two three times a week to travel to train for wrestling for me at the time and he would just sit by the ring and hang out with wrestlers and joke around and stuff uh that was such important connection time for the two of us and it's at the wrestling dojo that Sarah Fortune uh showed up on a consistent basis mm. and was training us in DDPY in person. And she walked in the first time and I was just excited that we were going to do live DDPY. And here's me, an old man, you know, who's I'm coming from way far behind in the wrestling world with I'm competing with all these, not competing with training with all these kids and they're kicking my butt in the ring. Um, and I just looked at this opportunity and said, yeah, but I'm going to show them I mean business when it comes down to DDPY. I, I kind of fooled myself into saying, yeah, I've done this before because I had these discs on my shelf for eight years. I've seen the moves once or twice, uh, but I dove into it like I'd been there a thousand times before, and it just felt so natural to me that nothing else mattered. And I was in that room like I was in the wrestling ring, just really in some ways trying to show off in front of everybody to prove I was good at something. Um, but also because I instantly felt the difference in my body and how much better it made me feel. And I think a, another common story is when the pandemic hit, everything else shut down and yep. there was nothing left. My kid, you know, my one kid had recently uh, attempted for the fifth time and that was a couple months prior uh, my wife was suddenly in a hospital for three months uh, because of her own eating disorder, and she nearly died. And so suddenly, as an elected official, I've got everybody messaging me, wondering what's going on, um, what are we going to do about this pandemic, and are we going to die, and that weight of the world was on my shoulders. Plus, I had my kids at home 24 hours a day, and my wife was gone for three months. I had no gym, I had no uh, 12-step meetings, I had no wrestling. <laughs> so it was a no-brainer. I threw my mat on the floor, and one hour every single day, no matter what, it was my time. I invited my kids, but they joined me for a couple of sessions, and I think they then realized, you know, that was something that I just needed, or I don't know, and that just became my time. And honestly... Up until that time, I'd lived in pain every single day, and it melted away within weeks. I mean weeks. 
pain I had lived mm. with my entire life, and now I'm now, what was it, two years ago, 40, I was 44 years old. I'd lived in pain for almost my entire life. And at 44, I suddenly woke up and went, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I feel amazing. What the heck is going on? And so I just kept doing it. And that's when I decided to become a trainer because I thought, if this works for me, and, I mean, in the interim, I'd hired personal trainers. Like I said, I'd quit drinking. I'd done all these other things. Uh, nothing, nothing worked the same way as that. I, it was just so fast and so incredible that I just needed to give this to other people as well. I, so, I, think, Brian, I think that's my I story. Have a, <laughs> I, have, I have a quick question, if you don't mind. How much of do you think your success with the program, how much do you think was that – um, was a mental block, and now it's not. It's gone, and it left so quickly. How much of that was a mental thing as opposed to a physical thing, do you think? Um, I, I definitely think a good chunk of it was mental, right? It was, yeah. And it just yeah. got to the point of desperation, so I, I really had no choice, and, and I think that was what got me over the hump. It was that, you know, this this became a survival um, right tech, technique, right? I I I had I had nothing else. <laughs> the world shut down. I was in my house. I had walks by the lake. Don't get me wrong. I live along Lake Huron. Uh, the lake is about two blocks away from my house. So I mean, I had that for some mental serenity. Oh, but, it's but I mean, so cold. I and it was right. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> Uh, but I still love it. I still love the cold. But I, I needed that physical outlet. I needed something to replace that rush that you get. I, it sounds really weird when you get picked up and you get dropped. There's a there's a you know a, a boost, a serotonin boost. There's there's all kinds of stuff that happens when you're working out. Yep. But I would lift weights and I would get injured lifting weights. So I, thought, I thought this was supposed to help me, but now I just have pain in my shoulders. I thought this was supposed to help me, but now I'm getting pain in my hips. And so I was missing that. And I, as a survival skill, I just jumped in and boom, mental block gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And was it kicking my butt though? Oh gosh, yeah, it was. But I was now committed. I, I decided that it didn't matter how hard the workout was. I was I was going to get through it no matter what. And, like, slowly and surely, it just built my confidence. That's awesome. So, uh, so you, when I was... You, you talked about... Oh, sorry about that, Kristen. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Mike. Uh, I'll be quick. Um, I was going to say, so you, you talked about your history as, as a filmmaker. Um, I hope you're bringing a, can, uh, a camera, because Council Mania sounds like a pretty sweet documentary title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I love some some days. I wish I could bring a steel chair into the chambers, <laughs> but if nothing else, someday no. I will have pyro. <laughs> no, that 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 sounds like an amazing story for you to tell as a filmmaker. Your your son and you going to train and wrestling, and 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 it's fascinating. You know, you talked about early, you know, starting out in the restaurant business where where your you know addictions took hold. Um, I, I, I've been in the music business, I've been in the wrestling business, and I've, I've dated a lot of waitresses, and I've never seen more of a pirate ship than the food industry after hours. That place is insane. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's rock and roll turned up to 11. 
But I, I, I got to commend you. I, I know a lot of people who have, who have been through severe, dark addictions, you know, the kind where guns are pulled on them and, and you're waking up in hotel rooms and stuff like that. And, and I commend you because, you know, if you're addicted to food, you can still go to the family functions. You can still, you know, have pizza with friends and stuff. You're in a world now where for you to survive, you have to cut off your entire social life, your entire social circle, because the darkness that surrounds you is – is perpetual to the problem. And how did you, you know, when you flip the switch like that, how did you change your world? Because that's going to be a pretty intense thing to do all at once. And, you know, everything about you has to be, you know, removed or changed or what have you to get out of that darkness. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, thankfully I was, you know, long past the restaurant business, but I mean, my daily living, the habits that I had formed, the, you know, drinking alone in the basement, all of that stuff, I mean, there was a reminder everywhere I turned, and it was all, uh, you know, contributing to these memories and the urges for sure. Um, but the good news is I was so done with it by the time I quit. Uh, I want to say the urges left within a week, and I know that is so wow. unusual for most people. I, I was very, very blessed. But, I mean, I'd say I quit a thousand times you know, before I entered the rooms of, of a 12-step program. But at the same time, you know, as you say, like that that memory was around the corner, the lack of ability to process emotions properly, the, the, uh, the, the reminders of all of the dark things that I had been through were always around the corner. So, I mean, I, I definitely had to white-knuckle it for a while, uh, and I'll often say this to people that are are, are quitting uh, drinking or, or substance use as, as well of, of any kind. You know, I had to be ready uh, to put it all on the table and walk away. And I mean everything, as you said, Mike. Like ev- everything had to be uh, fair game, and and it was. I I was prepared to walk away from my family. I was prepared. It doesn't mean I wanted to. I mean, I just had to be as honest as I possibly could with myself and say every part of who I am and what I know right now is a potential risk, and I need to be able to walk away from any and all of it. And once I was willing to and admitted that I had to be willing to, I could then start to put things back in into my life. And, I mean, that's, you know, as much a mental thing as anything, but day one – I might try a little of this and and go, okay, I can't go there yet. I I can't go have a business meeting at a pub. It took three months and I was scared, you know, out of my, out of my pants when I had to go to my first business meeting at a pub. And, you know, so I had to calibrate for that and I had to prepare for that. But then I saw the sign, you know, my sponsor's daughter-in-law was the waitress and I went, oh, okay. So someone here's got my back. And I didn't even ask for that. When I stepped out of the building, I heard a honk, and I looked up, and two people from the program were riding by on a motorcycle the minute I opened the door to step out the the, the, the pub. So I went, okay, I guess, I guess I'm okay now because I, I look for those signs. I guess I can add that back in my life. But when I say I, I used to be a filmmaker, that was one of the things I basically have walked away from. And other than doing the odd little video, maybe for a local organization or something, I, I haven't I haven't gone back to it. It just I could not make it fit in my life. So um it's a survival survival, you know, skill again, Mike. It, it's just I had to be willing to do it. Um 
And, uh, you know, thankfully I didn't have to give up my family. I'm grateful that they kept me around too. So, um, but it was just that willingness, I guess, that, that helped me over that hump. Um, I have a question, and it's a question that we primarily ask, you know, quite regularly here. But what would um, new Brian tell old Brian? Mm. That you're worth it. Yeah. Don't believe the voices in your head. You know, you don't believe the image you see in the mirror. Give yourself a shot. Be patient and be kind to yourself uh, because you are worth it and it is worth it if you just give it time and do the next right thing. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, that, that's oh, a great, that's a great, that's a great point. And it's so, I remember when I first started doing DDPY in 2011, 2010, you know, that one of the, the thing that stuck with me and I kind of have a version to motivational quotes and self-help quotes. And I, I get that they work for a lot of people, but for me, I kind of always found them kind of platitudes that looked pretty, but was just, you know, a lot of people didn't follow their own their own advice there. And and I remember DDP saying in one of those um those those quotes there, he said, No one can do more damage to you than you. And it said it in such a direct quote, in a direct way, that I almost felt like he was insulting me, like personally. Like I'm like, Oh wait, yeah, you're talking <laughs> yeah. about me. It is one of those things that, you know, once you realize the power that you have to control your life, it's a powerful mm-hmm. thing. You know, they always say you, you can lie to everyone you can't lie to yourself. I say bullshit. I can lie to myself more than better than anyone in the planet. And once oh. you start being honest with yourself, it, it really is a game changer to hold that power. Oh, man, you are absolutely right. I used to laugh about that because when people would say you're lying to yourself, I'd just say, how, do, how could you possibly lie to yourself? You, I, I, know, I know exactly what's going on in my own brain. <laughs> and. And, and, it's, and it's a funny thing because that morning that I made the decision to go and, and, and get help, like it was, a, it was not my worst performance the night before, let's just say. I mean, I, I, was, I managed to get home safely, and all I did was embarrass my family. So when I say all I did was embarrass my family, believe me, that was one of the most innocuous things that could have led me to my last drink <laughs> over all of the years. Um, but I remember waking up that morning, uh, or I'll, I'll preface it, the night before, I was working in, the, in, in a church as a caretaker of a church, and I had set up all these tables, like probably about 60 tables, for a health fair that was going to be in the gym uh, the following morning. I was drinking the whole time while I was setting up the tables, and people were coming in with all their booth material, and, and, and I saw this one table that literally had just one piece of paper taped to it, and and it's I know I'm not supposed to say these things out loud, but it said AA on it, right? Um, and uh, and and so uh, I that didn't leave my mind. So the the morning after my drunk is about 7:30 in the morning, and another morning that I just couldn't sleep, and my wife was standing right over top of me as I'm laying in bed, and she just looked at she was just looking at me, shaking her head, and she just said it's got to stop. What are you going to do? And I looked at her and I said, I saw a sign and she sort of went, yeah, that's funny. And I'm like, no, I, I mean, I actually saw a sign when I go to work today, there's going to be a guy there from, um, from AA and I'm going to go talk to him. And that was the first time 
that I recognized the ability to lie to yourself because I had a choice. When I opened my mouth, I could have said, uh, it's, I, it, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's not a big deal. I'll be fine. I'll just drink less. It'll be fine tomorrow. It'll be, you know, all the things I had told myself all these years, especially in the last couple of years leading up to this, where it was just getting worse and worse. Uh, that's the first time I went, oh, my gosh, it's not going to be okay the next time. You can't say that. You better just actually go and ask somebody for help. And it's the first time I realized I could actually lie to myself. The brain is a funny thing, but I also knew that the window of opportunity was about four hours long because if I would made it to 1 o'clock that afternoon without asking for help and sort of putting it out there to the universe, uh, my brain would have just told me it wasn't a big deal and I would have been back to self-destructing again. And, and I think that all addiction is like that, whether it's food or gambling or whatever other self-destructive behavior we, we get involved in. And we, and we lie to ourselves. We tell us it's not as bad as it is. Wow. I'm trying to absorb all this. Yeah. Well, you know, so you you made the the big change, and and you know, obviously, you know, weight and health is one thing, but you know, I think sobriety is 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 a whole different animal, and I think it's 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 more critical at the moment. Of course, the weight and stuff is is very unhealthy, but you you mentioned that within a week things were turned around really quickly and you felt like the, the pressures and the addiction was not quite breathing down your neck. Is that something that kind of stayed in that mentality or during the long haul? Cause I, I've been around a lot of people who have gotten sober and there's that initial buzz. There's that initial, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, things feel really good. How have you adjusted long-term? Obviously you're using the DDPY and, and you, you've got all these mechanisms to cope with, but for the long-term situation, um, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, they, they, the old-timers, as we call them, would say, watch out for that pink cloud, kid, and, uh, you know, uh, it'll get you. And, and, you know, to be fair, I've seen it. Uh, I don't know why it happens or whatnot, but I, I took that as a challenge or a fair warning uh, to not allow that to happen. So I remember going to my one-year sobriety, and then they'd like, oh, that's when the real work begins, kid okay, cool, then I guess I'll just step up my work. And so I listened, and I think that was the key thing for me was to just listen, especially early on, to recognize that my best thinking got me in the position that I was at. So it was time for me to flip the switch and just open my ears and and do, um, you know, the best of whatever everybody was telling me. A lot of stuff didn't fit, right? So I was able to just kind of put things, as they say, on the shelf in case I needed it for later, but... For me, it was all about just saying, all right, well, I enjoy this feeling. Uh, you're right. It is kind of like a buzz. I mean, that first couple of weeks, man, I was on top of the world. I wanted to stand on top of the mountain and yell, hey, it's okay. I was just a drunk, and I'm all good now, and you should probably try this sobriety stuff. It's pretty amazing. Like, I just wanted to tell everybody. <laughs> but um, if I, I never crashed from it. What I did was I prepared myself for the rough times that I was going to face because real life happens whether you're drinking or not. And I was very lucky. Uh, my my wife would n- never had an issue with drinking. Um, uh, so I, I'm grateful. And I said to her right from the first day, I was like, well, if you want to have a glass of wine or you want to do whatever it is you want to do, then go ahead. This is my issue, not yours. And from that first day, she said that I don't need to. 
and she's never had a drink since herself. So I took that as an opportunity to, and recognized that I needed to buffer myself. So I had people that I met in the program. Again, social circle changes very quickly. Like, I didn't want these people yeah. to have my phone number. I didn't want to talk to them. I didn't want to be around, like, don't talk to me about that. Girl. Why are you following me into the parking lot? I don't want to No, I don't want to go for coffee with you. But I guess I have to because that's what I'm supposed to do because I don't want to, which means I probably should. So I just continued to learn and open myself up to different uh, every single day. And that's what eventually has led me down this path. I can't stand still. I can't, uh, I can't stay stagnant no matter what I'm doing. And if I start to feel a little itchy in my own skin or if I feel a little depressed, then I have to identify what the actual issue is. So if I'm having a down day, I, I'm okay with it. If I have a second down day, I'm still okay with it. If I have a third down day, because I know what my baseline is now, uh, then I have to figure out why I'm still down. Am I not sleeping? Am I not exercising? Am I not eating properly? Or is there something that somebody's doing that is causing me this turmoil? And if it's nothing I can control, then I better figure out how to just let go of it because if it's beyond my control, then I shouldn't be stressing about it. And so I've learned slowly to just keep moving and keep finding ways to cope with stuff as life throws me a uh, curveball. I mean, I, I told you, my life hasn't been easy, but uh, if, if I'm not here to deal with it, well, who is? My kids need me, right? And, and, and now, apparently, the entire city that I live in needs me. So <laughs> in different ways. You, so I just, I'm constantly looking for ways to just keep the tank full and, and to refuel. Well, you mentioned, so here in the States, um, uh, if uh, we're, our political system is kind of insane, the way we advertise, and usually they, people like to throw out the worst parts of somebody's life and then ride it on a campaign ad. Mm-hmm. I always find that somebody who's lived hard and somebody who's lived a life of struggle and overcame it, I always, I never understood why that's considered a bad thing in politics. Because if I want somebody who who knows how to fix problems that I'm dealing with, I want somebody who's been on it and come out the other end. I think you're going to do a lot of good with your story, and I think it's something, you know, here in the states, it would be on a on a camp, a local campaign ad. But that's something to be proud of. That's something to put on a billboard. I was here, and I overcame it, and I did this, and that's the person I want to listen to. Somebody who's who's been in the trenches and, and knows how to find their way out of it. That's a pretty compelling story for a politician and, and just a human being. I, I was guarded about it for the first few years, for sure. I, 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 I would talk about it on a doorstep because I wanted people to relate honest, honestly with me. And a campaign manager was telling me, you know, hey, you've been here two minutes. Hey, quote, unquote, your, your wife is on the phone. Uh, I need you over here. I'd go, ah, go away. I'm talking to this person. So this person's talking to me, and I, and I spend 45 minutes with them. So I might tell them and relate to them on that level because I might be the first politician, quote, unquote, that showed up at their doorstep ever, um, and I'm giving them fair time. But over, the, over a couple of years, I, I ended up doing um, this national TV show on a panel and we were talking about an opioid crisis that we're facing in our community and and around the province of Ontario and 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 so uh, I realized during that conversation that my guarded nature on not trying you know protecting my family or whatever I thought I was supposed to be doing by not saying it out loud 
uh, was not helping at all. And uh, it's only uh, like right after I got off the air that I just happened to have an opportunity. Somebody reached out and said, hey, we're having this public talk down at the library theater about mental health. And we just wondered if you'd be willing to, to, to tell your story. Um, and that's when I decided, yes, I'm going to say this out loud publicly. And then the newspaper covered it. And again, I just kept my fingers crossed. But, you know, there was stuff also happening where, as you said, like people were lining up. Fake Twitter accounts were starting to attack me and some of my other colleagues and talking about the skeletons in my closet and all this stuff. So it was all kind of serendipitous, the timing of it. And it all just I, – I checked in with a political advisor who I was having dinner with who you know who's at a sort of a national level but he took me out for dinner because he said you uh, i helped him quit drinking and i was like oh, wow that's amazing uh have a funny situation what do you think about this and he said oh my gosh tell everybody and you know what it 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 did work like it it broke it took all this bullets out of everyone's chamber like they had nothing on me after after if i said it out loud well they had nothing and it turns out right. more, more people went, well, I, ah, if he's honest about that, I guess he's not going to hide anything else. Well, they, they right. discovered and you're I mean, human. That, right? There's a huge difference yeah. between being a, a human being and a human doing. I mean, and I'm so Ooh, glad like that, that <laughs> thank you, that you, um, you were willing to be a human being and recognize that, you know, the inner dialogue that you were having was, you know, maybe not as good as it could be. And you switched to being a human doing. And that's amazing. That's amazing. I can't, I can't tell you how amazing that is. Well, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> it's uncomfortable to hear to be honest, but because I just, I, I it just is for me, you know, it it just is, and I I just hope that it helps, right? I I sometimes post in the DDPY group about different things, and sometimes it's just encouragement, um, and because I've seen people at their worst uh, in my life, and I've been at my worst as well, um, it, I recognize it. I'm gra- I'm so grateful and blessed to be on this side of it, and to and to kind of recognize things in other people and sometimes just saying something kind is, is super helpful even though I still have a hard time accepting it myself um, but I think if anything that's the doing and in and, and whatever my platform yep. is if it's on the, in, the, in the Facebook group um, if it's as an instructor and, and just trying to be there with somebody you know who doesn't believe that you know at age 70 with all of the pain that they're in that they can ever do something as simple as lift their arms over their head and lean to the left and then lean to the right, um, just to be there and say, you know what, it, you're worth trying. Let's just do this, and, and we'll talk our way through it. Like, that to me is the doing part, and I'm just super grateful that, you know, it's somewhere along the way it seems to have an impact for other people. Otherwise, I wouldn't know why I got this second chance <laughs> at life. Um, I mean, well, just, we are all – Sorry, we are all very much worthy of someone holding our hand at times, and I'm so proud of you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. 
Oh, absolutely, and, and and you know, but they all, I, I I they always say you never look back. You know, only front. You know, I think there's a lot of wisdom in looking back. You can't live there, but looking back is pretty much a handbook for every misstep, mistake, positive, negative thing you've ever gone through, and it brought you here. And basically, what you hold is a textbook of your whole life, a how-to manual. And you've had some experiences that are pretty insane, you know, pretty rough. You've, you've come out the other end. You're here. You're probably going to face more problems in the future. You're human. We're all doing that. But with that textbook of information, that life experience you've had right now, and the platform that you hold, is there anything that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet that kind of encapsulates all of your, you know, change and experience uh, to help someone or, or do something or for your family or community? Is there anything left on the table, bucket list moment, using all the experience that you've gotten to uh, do moving forward? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yes, for sure. Um, and you're right. As much as I look back sometimes, I, I don't dwell in it. And I, I, similarly with the future, because oftentimes what I find is I, I can't predict the way tomorrow is going to unfold. So I, I try not to stake too much in in what tomorrow is going to bring. And if I could just, you know, I'll just say this and then I'll get on to a, a, a deeper uh, answer. But uh, at some point, if I can't today, uh, while we're talking, read this poem called Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow, I'll just ask people to look it up. It's called Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. It's a poem, and it saved my life, and it's about exactly what you're talking about. Um, but... Uh, you know, bucket list, you know, how do I encapsulate all of this? Well, I mean, I hope there's a book. Uh, I don't know if I have the energy or patience to to put it into a film unless somebody else is willing to do it because <laughs> I don't think I can tell my own story in that medium. It's just too, there's just, it's just too close, right? There's, there's, there's so much footage or opportunity to relive and recreate stuff that I just, I'd be there forever. I'd be spinning in circles, but I, I hope there's a book and I hope it's useful and helpful for people and it inspires people. Um, but I also, uh, I really, really, really see the connection between your physical health and your mental health, uh, again, through lived experience. And, you know, whether it's, I'm talking about my own kid or whether I'm talking about, you know, uh, a meth addict in recovery, you know, who I'm driving to a meeting, I see the the benefits of this overall health. And if for my community, uh, I could create a space where, you know, mental health is treated is, as equally as physical health, and with that comes the tools and the encouragement to try new things. Uh, then that would be an amazing place that I think that people could go to. So if you were there to get your mental health taken care of or addiction uh, in a rehab facility, that I could teach DDPY, I could, you know, uh, uh, teach people how to cook and uh, have other people with other skills offer life skills and trades and other things so that when they come out of rehab, they're not just 90 days clean and sober. They're 90 days uh, instilled with hope and encouragement and maybe just a taste of what life could be like if they committed to moving forward and, and obviously hoping that, you know, I could find a way to help them continue on that path. 
you know, when I when I was a kid and we left my dad uh, at a very young age, uh, I, in, in Canada, I don't know about in the States, but I think Big Brothers is the thing in the States, but Big Brothers, Big Sisters program is a thing here. So kids who don't have dads or kids who don't have moms or whatever, they have Big Brothers and Big Sisters and they come into your life and they kind of mentor you. And uh, I didn't have one for very long because my mom remarried and that was a, a whole other nightmare. But um, when I was six, seven, and eight, I spent time with this man uh, who showed me how to, uh, showed me what a family could be like. I mean, I, I was from a messed up situation. So my normal was, you know, my uncle showing up at my doorstep covered in blood and stuff from a, a shooting, right? I mean, seriously, wild stuff that kids shouldn't have to experience. Um, but uh, this family took me in and showed me that, you know, family dinner could be two siblings and two parents and having a slice of pie and, and, and going out fishing and, and, you know, going bowling and, and things that were so... Uh, boring I guess or normal <laughs> that didn't exist in my world and I want to have a place that shows people that because when you're in the throes of addiction and you don't have a sense of belonging and community you don't know that just by spending an hour a day stretching and strengthening your core and relieving your body of that pain can have such a profound effect on you mentally. If you don't know that and nobody's there showing you that stuff or giving you other skills, then how can we expect people to, to do different than what they've always right. known or what they've, what they've come to know? And, uh, same as coming out of jail. If all you do is throw people in jail for three months, six months, two years, how do you, and don't give them other skills, you can't expect any different when they come out. I just want a place that shows people hope and opportunity and a sense of self-worth so that they give themselves a chance to do differently and achieve something. That's amazing. Uh, I, I want you to read your poem here before we wrap up too. We got about six minutes left and, and I love that you put that there. Um, one of the greatest uh, quotes of GDP from the documentary, never underestimate the power. You can just one by believing in them. I think, Believing in somebody who's considered a lost cause is such a valuable thing in society. And unfortunately, not something a lot of people want to do. A lot of people are quick to write people off. And it's so cool to hear you, you know, talking about that people gave you that benefit of the doubt. People gave you that uh, belief in, in them and that you're out there trying to accomplish the same thing. A lot of people... Well, there's a lot of negativity when it comes to like uh, t talking about politics and politicians, but I think, especially in the local level, there's more people who are in it for because they think they can genuinely change people, and I don't think that's talked about enough. A lot of the negative gets tossed around, but I think there's a lot of positives and people who are doing it to make things better. And I love that you came on the show, and I love your story, and I hope you'll come back and talk to us again if you uh, have any updates or anything, but I want to let you read your poem before we go and then we'll wrap things up. But thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you, man. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I really do appreciate it. I love the show. First-time caller, long-time listener. Uh, so thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for, thanks for having me. I, I really do appreciate it. And, and for about, you know, 40 seconds, I'll say to your last comment, I taught in the far north in a Cree community, a First Nation community, um, because I was just given this opportunity, and, and I, I was not a teacher, but I, I spoke 
English, basically. And I had this class of six kids who were basically discarded from the regular stream at age 16, and they were expected to go nowhere and do nothing by their own members of the community. And I went in and pounded the table with the principal and said, how dare you give up on my kids? I was trying to get 50 bucks for a little class trip. And they said that we don't, we won't fund your class for anything. And I said, how dare you give up on these kids? And by the end of that school year, uh, three out of the six were graduated back into the regular stream of school, uh, back into regular academics. And that has never happened out of that program before. And I want to say that's just because I told these kids that they deserved it and they were worth it. Man, I was still an alcoholic then, so I don't know. But I saw the power of it. And uh, maybe that's never left me either because I know that when you just tell people that they can do it, they they surprise themselves. Uh, I find a lot of the most empathetic people are considered drunks or addicts because they know what it's like to be given up on. And I think that they hold a lot of empathy towards other people. And when channeled in the proper direction, they can be amazing uh, at what they do. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So this, this, this poem's called Yesterday, Today, Tomorrow. You can look it up. There are two days in every week about which we should not worry, two days which should be kept free of fear and apprehension. One of those days is yesterday with its mistakes and cares, its faults and blunders, its aches and pains. Yesterday has passed forever beyond our control. All the money in the world cannot bring back yesterday. We, we cannot undo a single act we performed. We cannot erase a single word we said. Yesterday is gone. The other day we should not worry about is tomorrow, with its possible adversities, its burdens, its larger promise. Tomorrow is also beyond our immediate control. Tomorrow the sun will rise, either in splendor or behind a mask of clouds, but it will rise. Until it does, we have no stake in tomorrow, for it is as yet unborn. This leaves only one day, today. Any person can fight the battles of just one day. It is only when you and I add the burdens of those two awful eternities, yesterday and tomorrow, that we break down. It is not the experience of today that drives us mad. It is remorse or bitterness for something which happened yesterday and the dread of what tomorrow may bring. Let us therefore live one day at a time. Wow. Man, that's awesome. I, I appreciate you reading that to us. That's pretty profound. Saved my life. I, 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 and I mean that sincerely. Giving that, giving myself a chance to breathe uh, and forgive myself, uh, saved saved my life. Wow. Well, I I can understand why. That's uh, I don't really know what to say, but it's it's one of those. You know, I don't know. I love it. Can, Can you send us that? That's 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 amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, uh, I appreciate that so much. I appreciate you reading that. I appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, I always say what we do here is share stories because, like I said, I have no clinical expertise in anything. But I think people sharing stories is is so important. And there's so many people who take things from people's stories and relate to them. And we've had a lot of people listen to the show and say, like, man, I was down and out. I heard somebody that really changed my life. And I know for a fact that you're going to change a lot of lives with your story and, and what you do. So, I just want to thank you for coming on with us. Thank you for being decent. Thank you for being a good person and active in the community. And uh, I am excited to see where uh, things go for you. So 
thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for being a part of the DDPY community. And, uh, yeah, what an amazing show. Thank you. Well, thank you all so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. All right. And, and Crystal, uh, yeah. I, we always wrap up with, with, a, with a quote from the Canadian quote master herself. I know you got a good one. I know you're one of those people that walk the walk, and, and uh, you really uh, have to bring, bring the power at the end of the show with, it, with an amazing quote. So we're going to have back-to-back amazing quotes, uh, the, the poem right there from Brian, and, of course, I know your arm is something good. So let's, uh, let's get yep. us out of here. We'll head home and, and uh, let's rock and roll. So I found this, and it was definitely after reading up on Brian, I write, this is what I found. Please understand this. Bad chapters can still have great stories. Wrong paths can lead to the right places. Failed dreams can still create successful people. Sometimes it takes losing yourself in order to find yourself. Wow. I got to tell you, the back-to-back good ones here tonight, and uh, thank you guys so much. It's always inspiring to talk to people on this show. Thank you, Crystal, for everything you do. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I want to let anyone know where they can find you. Do you have a website or anything for for what you do here? Uh, I do have uh, Instagram. Uh, It's uh, brianwhite519. Uh, that, there's more DDPY and wrestling stuff on that one. So Brian White, uh, B-R-I-A-N, uh, White519. Uh, similar on Twitter. Uh, and then you can just look look up uh, Brian White on Facebook. I'm, I'm friends with uh, half the DDPY community now, it seems. So I should be easy to find there on uh, my Facebook <laughs> profile. And it's an open book. If anyone wants to send me a friend request, I'm good with that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Crystal. We're out next week. Thank you. Episode of GDP Radio Live. Uh, Awesome show back. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you soon. I know I keep looping around, but thank you guys so much. That was really uh, an amazing show. Thanks for everything you do. We'll see you guys soon. Appreciate it. Checked it today, man. That was a great workout, man. The power bomb set up by Paige. Diamond Cutter. I don't believe it. Diamond Cutter out of the power bomb. You've been listening to DDP Radio. Tune in again next week for another edition of DDP Radio with more great guests, inspiration, and news from Diamond Dallas Page and Team DDP Yoga. Keep up all the great work and most importantly, own your life. This has been a presentation of DDP Yoga and Blog Talk Radio.